Man, what a great movie. And it's based on a true story, one of the best horse races of all time, Sea Biscuit. If you've never seen that movie, I encourage you to see, see that. Obviously, that's one of the final races there in, in the movie. And, and I tell you, um, when I see that movie, when I see that scene, it makes me think of myself sometimes. Have you ever felt like Sea Biscuit? Have you ever felt like that you were in the back of the crowd and you just felt like, man, there's no way I could catch up. There's no way I can come back from this. But, but you can. There is a, a champion within you through the power of God. And what I love about that movie, did you see the crowd? The crowd was cheering them, cheering them on. Can I tell you something? The Bible talks about this. So there's a great cloud of witnesses in heaven. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are people in heaven right now who are cheering you on. There are people in your life you may not even know who are cheering you on. They want to see you make a comeback because comeback stories are the best stories. Comeback stories are the best. You know, it's interesting that Sea Biscuit lost his first 17 races. 17. And he also came back from a major possible career ending injury. Came back from it. The, the jockey did as well. And they came back, and Sea Biscuit became one of the most renowned resources of all time. You know, maybe you're, you're in need of a comeback. Maybe there's, there, there's different types of comeback. There's comebacks that, that, that are that are needed because of sin. And there's possible comebacks that are needed because of mistakes or failures. Maybe you've made some, too many mistakes or maybe you, you've just failed and you weren't really intending to do that. It just happens. And then another comeback is just dashed dreams or broken dreams. But let me tell you something about your setback that I know is true. And we shared this last week. Your setback is just a setup for the comeback, God wants to display in your life for his glory. Your setback is a setup for the comeback that God wants to do in your life for his glory. And if you believe that, then you're going to make a comeback through his power and his strength. And it's not just based on our strength alone. Last week we talked about um, the story of Joseph. One of the best comeback stories of all time. And, and we, uh, we were reminded that Joseph was rejected by his family, by his brothers. He was falsely accused and he was forgotten. But he still made those comebacks. And what we learned about that story, we can actually apply to our life. Just a few of these things. Number one, your story is a part of God's story. Joseph knew that God was up to something bigger than himself, and he was just a part of it. Your setback right now is a part of a bigger plan. Somebody here today is like, man, I don't have a job. I, I, I need a job. Well, it could be that you're not working right now because it's part of God's plan. Now, you don't want to just sit there and like, hey, I'm not going to look for a job because I'm part of God's plan, you know. Yes, you need to be proactive. Absolutely, but the Lord's going to bless you if you rely upon him, and if you pray and seek his face, he is going 
to take care of you. And you're going to be in a place where you can be at work again. Um, so your life counts for his glory, not your glory. Another thing we learned about Joseph's story is God goes the distance with you. He doesn't just leave you to do this all by yourself. You know, the enemy is planting words and phrases like this. The enemy could be saying, if God is really with you, then your circumstances would be different. That's a lie. Or they would say, if God really loved you, he would do something different for you. That is also a lie. God, if you're trusting in him and walking in, him, walking in his grace and walking with him and including him into your life and your day, God is with you no matter the circumstances. I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care if I made mistakes. I don't care if you, you've done some things that you're kind of ashamed or kind of out of order in your life or whatever. You know, it, it doesn't matter. God is with you. You must believe that. You must believe that. Another thing we learned with, with Joseph is to do our best for the master. Uh, Joseph understood that he was part of the God bigger picture plan, God's movie that he was, uh, that he was directing. And so Joseph wanted to do his best for the Lord. Joseph knew that God was watching church guests. Let me tell you something. When you are coming from a setback to a comeback, God is with you and he's also watching. How are you responding to the setbacks? How are you going to respond? Are you responding in trust? Are you, are you responding in obedience? Another thing we learned is a comeback isn't about a payback. We learned this from Joseph. He didn't try to, he tried to pay back for what his brothers did for him. If you're looking for a comeback only to stick it to somebody who is unfair to you, then you need to stop right there and you need to get your heart right. A comeback is not about a payback. And the last thing we learned last week is it's a salvation story. You know, Joseph, because all these things happened to him, all these setbacks and ultimately the comeback, all these things happened because God was doing something and he wanted to save this region of the world. He wanted to save this family that started with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob, whose name is turned to Israel, had these sons, 12 sons. Joseph was one of them, and God wanted to save them because ultimately Jesus would come from the lineage of that family. And so if none of this happened, this whole region of the world, everyone would have died because of the great famine that happened in Egypt. We talked about that last week. You can go lakepornonline.com and listen to that message or even watch the message from last week. And then, so, but, but God had a bigger plan, and it was about saving people. Do you know that your setback could save people? Absolutely. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and people know that, then they're going to see how you respond. Even if you're searching, whether you're a, a, a believer in Jesus Christ, have accepted him as Lord and Savior, even if you're just searching for him, and just want to do things that are right. People are watching you 
and they're seeing how you respond, and that is going to inspire more comebacks in people's lives. This week, I want to focus on a story that I think is really going to inspire you today. You know, most of us here today are, are watching or listening online. You may have experienced a comeback, maybe in a specific area in your life, or maybe you could be in need of a comeback in your life. You know, you may have, may have experienced a, a marriage comeback where the two sides were on different planets, but God made a way through his grace and love. You may have experienced a financial comeback that brought you from, from the pit of debt. You, students, you may have experienced a reputation comeback from, from someone you despised to someone who is alive in Christ. Or maybe you're sitting here today, you experience a, a medical or a health comeback. When the doctor said terminal, but God said purposeful. I got a purpose for this. Maybe you experience a comeback from that. You know, whatever the comeback is, whatever's needed, God wants you to come back. He doesn't want you in this setback more than you do. And so you have a story. What is your comeback story? You're about to see a video with someone in our church who has an amazing comeback story. Watch this video. Hi, I'm Melissa Watro, and this is my comeback story. I was raised in church from the time I was a child. But in my 20s, I fell away from God. God shook me to the core when I was 39 years old, and I was diagnosed with stage one invasive ductal carcinoma breast cancer. It's the worst thing anybody can imagine. I fell to the floor and I cried my eyes out wondering what the world was I gonna do. I just knew it was a death wish on me that I would not live to see my kids grow up. I would not be a grandmother. And I would I just didn't know where I was going to go from there, what I was going to do. But I had always known and believed in miracles and the power of prayer. So I went home. I called my mother and told her what had happened, that I had been diagnosed with the cancer. And she called our family and friends, and the prayer chain started. I fell down on my hands and knees and asked God to heal me from what I was going through. And a peace came over me that I had never known before. And I knew that I was going to be okay. I knew that I was going to be healed from this cancer. I had to do six rounds of chemo once every three weeks. After that, I had to do 30 rounds of radiation. After that was over with, I was then told after I had a scan that I was cured, but I would still have to take a pill for the next 10 years. I knew then 
that God had healed me and that this was a wake-up call that he was giving me that I needed to get back in church and get back and get right with him and live my life like he wanted me to. That was my purpose and that he had let me live because he had a purpose for me. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew I would find out soon because he had given me a second chance. One day when I was driving, I had been to different churches and I couldn't find one that I felt God wanted me to be at. And I asked him for a sign. Lord, give me a sign at a church that you want me to be at. And I was going down the road and there was a sign that said Lake Point Church. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's a sign. You have given me this sign. And then I thought, oh no, it's just a sign. But through the week, everywhere I went was the sign for Lake Point Church. And I knew that's where God wanted me to be. So I came on a Sunday and I've been there ever since. The small group that I signed up for, they have been with me through thick and thin, through my problems, through my cancer scares, through my side effects of my cancer. They have always been there to pray for me when the, thing, when the going got tough. If it hadn't been for this scare, I probably never would have came back to God. But he opened my eyes and he let me know that he has always been there for me no matter what. All you have to do is ask, and you shall receive. And so this is my comeback story. What an amazing comeback story. Melissa, thank you so very much for sharing that. That story, I know, has inspired me, but it's also inspired those who are sitting here or maybe watching online. And know that God has a comeback story just like that for you. Now, obviously, your story is going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be a comeback story that he is going to be involved with. And so um, your, your, your comeback story, I know this, is going to trigger other comebacks around you. The, the, just like in Melissa's story, my hope and her hope is that it's going to uh, trigger other comeback stories. And that's how your story is going to do as well. You know, the investment into your comeback will have great returns. You know, the same is true of the reverse. Imagine if you never walked with the Lord, depending upon, it depended on him to help you in a comeback. If you just gave up and said, forget this. I'm not trying to make a comeback. Imagine what the ripple effect will be to your family, to your friends, to those you're trying to, trying to witness to. Imagine the effect that it's going to take if you choose not to come back. Come back from a life of not walking with God, a life of drugs, a life of porn, a life of just self, selfishness. Whatever it is, whatever comeback story you need, whatever setback you could be in, or in the future, what setback you could be in, know this, we, yo, we, we've got to make that comeback. Not on our own strength, but we've got to make that comeback because it's going to affect 
other people. Because if not, it will also affect other people. Today, we're gonna look at a, at a similar story of healing in, in, in God's word. When a woman was healed from a comeback story, and, and her, her comeback story that we're gonna find in God's word is, is one that has been inspiring people for more than 2,000 years. And this story is one that uh, you have probably heard about, and, and I've, I've taught from this story before, but we're going to look at it from a different angle here today. But let me set this up. It's, it's going to be in, in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 5, so if we want to get your copy of God's Word and turn it there, we do have the, the um, Scripture on the screen, so we'll be in Mark, chapter 5. But what happens is that Jesus and his disciples have just gotten off the boat after crossing the Sea of Galilee, uh, from doing some ministry, and they, and they land there, and there's a commotion of people. There's a, there's a guy whose daughter is, is really sick, and so they're, you know, they're trying to get Jesus to go over there. Jesus says, yes, I'll go, and so there's lots of crowds gathering around him, and the disciples are, are, are <clears throat> really acting like bodyguards at this point. We don't know what the crowd is, but it could be pretty large. I mean, you know, just before this, there was a crowd of 5,000 or more, probably closer to 10,000, if you count the men, women, and children that were around Jesus when he fed the 5,000. And so, we don't know what this number is, but it's really, really large. Because Jesus' uh, Jesus' popularity is, is really, really huge at this point. And so, his disciples are acting as, really, as bodyguards. And one thing you got to understand is this, Jesus had more than just 12 disciples, okay? We think, oh, Jesus had 12 disciples and that's it. No, he had 12 apostles, men that he had chosen, but he had other people that would be disciples that would come around and, and walk with them and travel with them. He had 12 appointments. So it's, it's important to realize that. I mean, there, there's one point in our small group um, this week, we actually studied where, where there were up to about 120 disciples whenever Jesus ascended into heaven. And I would see that was after the crucifixion and the resurrection. So imagine how many disciples and then apostles were around Jesus trying to protect him from the crowd. Lots of people. But there's this one lady who will, rename, who will remain nameless. I can't wait to meet her in heaven. And this lady had faith that would take Jesus by surprise like no other time in Scripture. Our story picks up in Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through 34. Just 10 passages, uh, 10 Scriptures, 10 verses. Let's read through here. It says this. So Jesus went with him, with the gentleman that had the, had the sick daughter. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, I love that line, when she heard about Jesus, let me pause there for a second, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? You may have heard of Jesus, but have you heard about Jesus and what he could do for you, and what does that cause you to do? How are you going to respond? Let's move on. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, his, his outer garment. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
That's faith. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? So imagine all of the, the swarm of people and, and, and Jesus speaks, he talks. And he talks not just between him and the other gentleman who had the sick daughter. He, he's now raising his voice. He stops and said, all right, who touched me? <laughs> I mean, the disciples had a, a really good statement here, a, a statement that you probably, you probably would have said the same thing. I know I would. Verse 31, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What a comeback story. Of, of, from, from terminal to purposeful. No matter your setback, there's some encouraging words here today. I know I was encouraged as I was preparing this. I've got four simple things that we're gonna learn from this story today. And I hope that God speaks to you. If you wanna, go, have, if you wanna move from your setback <clears throat> to your comeback, and remember, your setback is a setup for the comeback God wants to do in your life. So if you want to move from setback to comeback, here's some things you could try that we learn from this woman of faith. Number one, try something different. Just try something different. She had been going to doctors for 12 years. 12 years. Had probably spent most of her money, most of her savings, if not all, and nothing was working, but then she heard about Jesus and decided to try something different. You know, you may need to try something different for what most people do in your particular situation. Need a marriage comeback? Most people that are in a marriage setback, they start separating things. They have financial Arguments, which is the number one thing that, that married couples argue about. They have financial arguments to the point to where, you know what, we just need to set up different bank accounts. We need to separate our money. You, have your, you, you pay for these items, and I'll pay for these items. Um, you want to do everything you can to unite everything you do as a married couple if you are in a setback. The word separate should, should not even be in your vocabulary with anything you're doing. A lot of people do this also. They separate where they sleep. You know what? We just can't do this. I've seen sleep here. You sleep here. Instead of making it work. Now, obviously, you... There needs to be Christian counseling, uh, and, and, and there needs to be things involved, but 
But another thing you could do is to try something different is go to a, a, a Christian marriage weekend intensive to where you're focused only on each other. You know, you're, um, another thing people do is they separate houses. Now, you know what, we just can't do, you live in this house and I live in my house. If you're trying to move from a setback to a, to a comeback in your marriage, those things shouldn't happen. Do things like a, a, a marriage intensive retreat, a Christian marriage retreat. Clear your calendar of everything that deals with you and focus on your spouse. The hunting trip, the weekend with the girls, that the, the game with the guys, whatever. You want to clear things and you want to make it about each other. You got to just do something different. And there's lots of things that you and I can do different when we are in a marriage setback. You got to do something crazy. You got to do something crazy. Susanna and I have a, have a, a very dear couple friend of ours in Texas, and they had major marriage setbacks. Whatever you can imagine, it has happened to them. They sold their house. They're living in an RV in a campground. <laughs> They're forcing themselves, like, hey, we're just going to be right here. You know, their kids are kind of gone. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. Of course, they've, they've been doing a lot of prayer and a lot of intensive marriage, you know, retreats or, and other things. So they, they're doing something a little crazy, but it's working. As we talk to them, it's working. You gotta do something crazy, because if not, then you really don't wanna fix your marriage. If you're not trying something different, then you really don't want to fix your marriage. And this can, this can work with anything, any setback that you're in, whether it's marriage or financial or relationship or your reputation comeback or whatever it is or your health comeback. You've got to try something different. That's what this woman did. Number two, we learn from this lady is make bold, aggressive moves. So, I reminded you, uh, you know, I painted this picture of the crowd forcing themselves around Jesus. And yet this woman, a woman who was sick, probably had little energy, forced her way into the crowd. Did she have to be rude? You bet. Did she have to be selfish? Absolutely. She was aggressive. Because if not, if she would have given up, tried to move through a few people, and it's like, you know, forget it. It's too hard. It's too hard. Don't give up just because it's hard. Don't give up just because you're tired. 
You want to keep pushing forward. You want to be aggressive. You want to be bold. Yes, and you even need to, as we see in the story. Sometimes you need to be a little rude, and sometimes you need to be a little selfish in order to get to your comeback. It, it's whatever it takes. It's whatever it takes. I can imagine her saying, after she was healed and touched him and stuff, imagine her saying, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe that I just did that. You know, it's the only time recorded in Scripture when Jesus heals someone and he doesn't even know who it is. You need to make bold and aggressive moves toward your comeback that should even surprise yourself. When something is just not right in your life, then only bold and aggressive moves. For example, there's some things going awry in your neighborhood and lots of things are not right and your kids are hanging out with the wrong kids and there's drugs in your neighborhood and everything. Uh, sell your house and move. Get out of there. As an example, you, if your job is overtaking your schedule and you have very little time with your family, and, and, and you're not connecting with those you love, change your career, even if it means downsizing. Change your career. That's a bold and aggressive move. Another bold and aggressive move is, is cutting off friends. If you have friends that are bringing you down, students, you need to listen to me. If you, and adults alike, we have friends that can bring us down. If you have friends that are bringing you down, you need to be a little rude and a little selfish and say, I don't think so, no more. Yeah, they're gonna talk about you. Who cares? You gotta make a comeback because this setback is bringing you down and down. And just like Seabiscuit, you're falling further, further behind the other herd of horses. So, sometimes you need to Cut off ties from people and say, it's time to have a new group of friends. You need to do something that's aggressive and bold. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that we had a water issue in our house. Yes, another water issue at the Bennett house. When you get eight people living together, you know, right now we have six because we have two at college, but when this happened, we had everyone home, and we had a a toilet overflow, messy master bed bathroom. It was, it was bad. And I watched crews come in, teams of, of men come in there and, and take care of the situation. We tried to take care of the situation. Then we realized this is too big for us. We can't do this. We need to, we need to make some phone calls. We did. And, but I sat there and witnessed this this. Big old guy, muscular. He, we have this, this uh, countertop and cabinet in our, in our bathroom. And, and I have mine, and Suzanne has hers on the other side. And I see him just kicking the baseball and just cracking it. And, just, and I'm just going, what are you doing? What are you doing? He says, well, sir, I've got to get this out immediately. Because if I don't, you're going to have other issues. And they're ripping things out. We have ceramic tile. It's great ceramic tile. They're ripping that up. They're, they're getting to the very hard core of the, of, of the flooring. 
It, it came through our garage. They're ripping out sheetrock and insulation. It's, it's everywhere. It's a mess. And they are not treating it very gently. They're not. They're like, dude, you're tearing up my house. Which is what I was thinking. But it had to be done. Because there was some contamination out of the toilet. And you got to get that taken care of. Um, what, can, what could be in your life that's contaminating your heart, your mind, your relationships? What could be contaminating you? If there is such a thing in your life right now, you need to be aggressive. You don't need to be gentle, and you need to take care of it now. You need to push. You need to, you need to knock some things down out of the way. You need to do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Because if you're just gentle about it, if you're just haphazard about it, you're not going to make it. You need to take some inspiration from a sick woman and if a sick woman can do it, then you can do it. There are people here today who are fighting lots of things. You may be fighting some sickness. You may be fighting some cancer. You may be fighting some other issues. And you're like, you, you need to do everything you can to be aggressive and be bold with that. What is contaminating your life? It's time to fix it. So we learned that we gotta try something different. That's what this woman did. We learned to make bold and aggressive moves. Third thing, remember this four, this is number three. Expect something to change. Expect something to change. There were lots of people touching Jesus. You know, they all wanted to, they all wanted to be able to break through and through the bodyguards, and they treated Jesus like a, like a rock star, but this lady treated him like a savior, like a healer. What is Jesus to you? What is Jesus to you? According to your setback, he's the answer you need. He's the answer you need. He's your wise financial counselor. He's your healer. He's your, he's your relationship restorer. Here's your, he is your therapist. What is he, because he, if he's just this guy named Jesus, you're not touching him with a purpose. You're not touching him with a purpose. You know, those other people didn't have a why. They didn't have a reason to really touch him with a purpose. She had a reason, and she had a why. Why do I need to be, be him? Why do I need to touch him? Because I need healing. She touched Jesus with purpose. She basically took the healing power from him. That's why the Bible says she fell on her knees and, and, and basically had to tell him what, what she took from him. I'm, I'm sorry, Jesus, but I, I took something from you. I took healing from you. Her faith was so strong, she took it from him. Jesus is big enough. His power is big enough. God's power is big enough. 
You know, it's the only place that I know of in the Bible where Jesus did nothing to heal someone. Meaning, he didn't turn to them and speak to them and touch them. He wasn't proactive in that. She took healing from Christ. She expected something in return. If you really want to come back, then this is your test. How will you touch Christ? Will you make your faith bigger than your problem? Okay? Listen to me right here. Your faith has got to be bigger than your problem. Your faith has got to be bigger than your setback. Because if not, you're not going to touch Jesus with a purpose. So you can't be negative about this. You can't say about your marriage come back, your financial, your health, your reputation, whatever it is, you cannot say, "Mm, I'm not sure this is going to work. You cannot approach your comeback with that attitude of, "Mm, I'm not sure if this is going to work. It didn't work last time. I'm just not sure it's going to work. You just need to stop right there and give up then. Or you need to change your attitude. You need to change your approach. You need to change your mindset. You need to expect something to happen. You need to touch Jesus in a way that something is going to happen happen. Don't say, I will probably just end up back where I started. So, we need to try something different. We need to make bold and aggressive moves. We need to expect something to change. And then fourth, you need to make your comeback known. You need to make your comeback known. This woman announced her comeback. Jesus didn't point her out. Uh, he didn't know who touched him. Yeah. He could have. But according to Scripture, he was looking around for her. And then she made herself known. Maybe he knew who really touched him, and he just gave her an opportunity to make herself known. When you are in your comeback, you need to make yourself known. No, you need to make yourself known and, and, to, and to acknowledge to others what God has done in your life. Just like Melissa did in her video today. She made her comeback not about herself. It was not about herself at all. It's about what God has done in her life and what God is continuing to do in our life. You need to make yourself known. Not in a prideful sort of way, not in something uh, that you're doing on your own strength. You need to make yourself known to what God is doing in your life. And even if you're on your way to your comeback, get some people to pray with you. Hey, I'm making a comeback in this area. I really need your prayers. Melissa, depending on her small group. Small group is a great way for people to pray for you. So you got to make your comeback known. And as I close, is there something holding you back from your comeback? Is there something holding you back from your comeback? 
This is a very important question. You know, you're not gonna reach your financial comeback if you're not honoring the Lord with your giving. I mean, that's just, that's just biblical. You're not gonna reach your financial comeback if you're not honoring the Lord with your tithing, with your giving. And I don't know what you give, but God does. We need to honor the Lord. Could it be, maybe you haven't made that health or medical comeback, because maybe you're not honoring the Lord by what you're putting in your body. What you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're smoking, what, what are you putting in your body? If you're trying to make that health come back and you're not honoring the Lord, that, that's a contradiction. Lord, I want to make a comeback. I want to make a comeback. I know it's hard. But listen, what are you doing? What is holding you back? There's some, there's some disobedience there that could be holding you back financially, health, or whatever it is. What could be stopping you from your comeback? You need to take some assessment on that today. And I say that out of love as your pastor. Pastor. 